Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's up, LA Hackers? This is your host, Stefan, and welcome to another episode of the Life Hacks LA podcast. Okay, if you love television and you love to know the history and the secrets behind how some of your favorite TV shows are made, you're really going to enjoy today's interview. That's because our guest today is Rene Reyes. He is the VP and Executive Director of Programming for the Paley Center for Media. If you're not familiar with the Paley Center for Media, it is a nonprofit organization that preserves and champions television history and excellence. Not only do they have one of the largest archives in the world for the history of television, radio, and now emerging digital platforms, but they also make some of it publicly accessible to all of us. And they also host a very popular annual public program called the Paley Fest to give us all an inside look at how television shows are made with special guests and presentations from people who work directly inside the industry. All of this is with the primary goal of helping to preserve and celebrate television history. Rene is going to talk to us about his career journey, share a little bit about his life in Los Angeles, and all the inside secrets of the Paley Center for Media. After the interview, stick around for my hack, where I'll be sharing another awesome activity that you can do that also gives you some great behind-the-scenes of movie and TV magic. Talk to you soon, and enjoy this conversation with Rene Reyes for the Paley Center. Hello and welcome our guest today, Renee Reyes from the Paley Center for Media. How are you doing today, Renee? I'm doing great, Stefan. It's such a pleasure to be on your show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. And I'm excited to have you on because I want to talk all about the Paley Center for Media. But before we jump into that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself. Where are you from originally and how did you make your way to Los Angeles? Sure. Well, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. And I, and I lived in Florida for the, all the growing up years of my life. Uh, and I loved it. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful state. I have, I have wonderful memories of it. And it's in a lot of ways, it's similar to, to uh, parts of California, although California is, of course, far more um, diverse in terms of uh, its landscapes and, and, and the kind of weather you can get every kind of weather here in in California and in uh, in Florida. Of course, you you primarily get one hot yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of muggy weather. But how I got here? Well, um, it wasn't on covered wagons, which is which is really good. But I I had always wanted uh, sort of. I grew up being fascinated with entertainment and and show business and and took. Um, so much pleasure from learning about it and reading about it. I was I was a kid who went to the public library all the time and, and would spend hours reading books about uh, movies and and performers and television and and how things were made and the people who made them. It was just and it still is something that is um, uh, a great passion of mine. So I knew I always wanted to be involved in it in some capacity. So my uh, my husband and I actually moved out here together and we slowly found we I worked for a long time uh, in the book industry with a company that was first called Wallen Books and then became Borders and I you know did all sorts of things for them and booked author tours and 
um, was with them for a long time. And that is sort of what brought me out to Los Angeles was to work here for them. And um, slowly over time, I just started working on different on different things in terms of um, entertainment. We worked on live shows, on concerts uh, with some terrific artists. We ended up starting our own small sort of production and entertainment management company out here. And then I came to work at what was then called the Museum of Television and Radio, which is what the Paley Center is, was originally named out here in LA anyway. And I, for the last 18 years, I've been producing all of the live events that happen in Los Angeles. Some of them happen in, in New York, exhibits, all sorts of things. But it was, it was it's just a slow build over time of a lot of different things that we worked on that got us to this particular juncture and to, and to Paley Fest, which I do every year. Wow, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. And a lot of people come out here for a career in entertainment. So you made it happen, okay. plugged away for years. Now, you mentioned some of the things you love about Los Angeles, the weather and the entertainment, of course, the diversity. But what are some other things you love about living in L.A. so much? And what, in your opinion, are some of the things that make it such a unique city? Well, I think one of the one of the great one of the many great things about Los Angeles is how much opportunity there is to experience nature here. It can be said through for all of California. I, I love being out in nature and experiencing, you know, beautiful spaces. I love the ocean. I love the beach. But during this pandemic, you know, when we had some time and you weren't really, uh, obviously you couldn't do a lot of, a lot of stuff. One of the blessings was to be able to have a chance to, to visit a lot of the parks in the area uh, that we live. We live out in the Studio City area. And just within a, a few miles, there's such a diversity of landscapes. It's all public lands and totally made available to us. Parks were one of the greatest inventions ever. And mm -hmm. they're a great respite for us to see, you know, you, you can be a park that's scenic on the, um, on the ocean, or you can be up in, in the, in the hills and the, and the nearby mountains. There are great wetlands around the Sepulveda Dam area. That is a sustaining thing to me. You know, we live in a, in a big sprawling city and parts of it are very urban in terms of like just buildings and buildings and buildings and buildings without with very little nature around them and then you know you can drive five minutes and you're in a totally different different space and the vistas are incredible that's one of the, i think that's one of the main benefits to me uh, of living here is just the diversity of the landscape and how much is freely accessible to us or, or within uh within easy reach anyway that's such a great answer renee and i could not agree more like i think the parks in los angeles are so underrated and like you, I mean, I always kind of appreciated parks anyway because I've got a young son. But during the first two weeks of the lockdown, remember when the virus first came out, we yeah. would go to the park just about every day. And I was like, man, we're so lucky to live in a place where you not only have these parks, but you've got good weather to enjoy them. Because I was thinking of the people on the East Coast because it was uh, cold weather at the time. And I'm like, they've got it 10 times worse because they basically can't leave the house. That's, that's absolutely right. We, we do get some, some as you know, some cold weather out here, but nothing that really can keep you from being out and about in the way that it does for, for folks who live much farther north or, or, or on the East Coast. And it was, you know, during that time, just having that to be, to be able to go places and be out in the air and feel the air and the skies got, were so clear for a period of time because we were all uh, driving less, of course. 
to have that was a great gift and we still we're still doing it i was just out and about yesterday and uh and, and enjoying some of those some of those public spaces yeah we have some really spectacular places and then to your point about the diversity of the landscape uh just last weekend I, I live in the south bay near the beaches so of course people from out of town always want to come visit us and go look at the beach but we took them some visitors from the beach to altadena on a waterfall hike and they were just like blown away. They didn't know we had that in LA, you know, and it was like a 30 minute hike in the woods to a waterfall. And it's only an hour from where we were just were at the beach, less than an hour. So in Altadena. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you'll have to share that with me. I'm oh, I definitely will. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you offline. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to ruin the Absolutely. spot because it's not too, not too crowded right now. Yeah. But uh, okay. So let's jump into the Paley Center because I feel like it's one of those places that most people have heard of in Los Angeles, but they might not necessarily know exactly what it is. So can you start by telling us what the Paley Center for Media is and also its mission as an organization? Sure. Well, we were we were founded well over 40 years ago in New York, basically, as a museum of broadcasting. And we were founded by an incredible ground, you know, iconic innovator of, of television and of business overall named William S. Paley. He founded not only us, but also the CBS television network, CBS radio, and was at the head of CBS during one of the great golden ages of, of television as well, too. And it was what that network was known as the Tiffany Network because it had all these great and groundbreaking series on it, like beginning with I Love Lucy to, to later All in the Family and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, really touchstones of culture that have pushed television forward. But one of the things that he recognized um, in, the, in the mid 70s is there was no effort being made to preserve any of the history of television. Many things were being tapes of, of television programs or kinescopes of television programs were being discarded and um, or, or taped over. So a lot of the great history of television was being lost and it's, an, it's truly an art form in the same way that film is. And film has had champions that, to, of preservation throughout most of its history, but television didn't. And he wanted to do that. So he established this organization as a museum that celebrated creative excellence and celebrated television overall and preserved its legacy. Uh, we were the first to do that. We're still one of the only public uh, institutions doing it. In addition to all of the programs that we do throughout the year, we preserve and make publicly accessible this incredible archive of over 160,000 programs spanning the history of television of radio and 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 now we of course also include digital assets uh, about television things that are, are obviously streaming television but things that are on youtube uh, and and other platforms and then we host these public programs to sort of take you inside how television happens and you get to hear from the the creators and the actors who make it about the creative process involved in in making television so that's that's how we started in a nutshell, and we're still charged with preserving television and celebrating its incredible creative legacy. Wow, that's awesome! And you know, it's changed so much over the years, and we're we're going to get into that because I'm really excited to ask you about that because television, kind of like its status has risen. Oh, you know, like you were saying, people have always been preserving movies and 
and uh, the status of movies, but television has definitely come a long way. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you about the museum that was in Beverly Hills, because a lot of people know the Paley Center from visiting that museum. Can you give us the current status or story on that? Sure. Uh, our, our beautiful building uh, here in downtown Beverly Hills, the building is still still there, but we uh, no longer occupy it. We built it in 1996, and uh, it's, it was our home out here. We had a small theater in there. You could access the the collection, but just before the pandemic, actually at the uh, the end of 2019 and, and going into 2020, the landowners of that parcel, of, a great parcel of land in Beverly Hills, um, sold it. So we were no longer able to be in that building. It's going to be used for another project. And uh, we had to sort of transition doing our programs, our regular programs that we do throughout the year, the panel conversations, the special screenings, different premieres to other theaters around town. Now, thankfully, we'd already been doing Paley Fest every year in outside theaters, outside of the Paley Center building. We host Paley Fest every year at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood now, which is really fun to work there. But we uh, were doing our programs in other places uh, like the, the great DGA Theater on Sunset Boulevard. And we'll be bringing our programs to all parts of Los Angeles now not just in Beverly Hills. So that's that's when, been one benefit of it. But it all sort of happened right before the pandemic. And obviously throughout that time, we transitioned to, to virtual and have been doing everything online since then. But we're excited uh, that we're gonna have a sort of an, a, lo- a location for our archive where folks in LA can once again access the Paley Archive at the Beverly Hills Public Library. Mm. Now that got sort of put on hold during the pandemic, of course, but now we're ramping up again uh, on that project and should be announcing the, the opening of that, lo- of that location sometime soon. Oh, so we'll okay, have that. Cool. Yeah, so we'll it'll have still be hub. very accessible. Exactly. And even, even more so because it's right in, a, in an incredible, already incredible archive institution, the public library. And it's going to be great to be part of that system there in Beverly Hills. And you'll be able to come in for free and we'll have that home base there for the archive. And we'll still be doing programs all over the city. And by the way, that's a beautiful library. I've been in that library before. It is. It's huge. And it has an incredible collection. Uh, so you, you'll be able to come in and, and access our collection. And also, if you want to do a deeper dig into, into some of the, the, the shows or the uh, people involved in TV, you can look at their massive collection of books as well, too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Okay, so for the listening audience, that museum is no longer there, but it will be in the Beverly Hills Library in the future date, like Renee was saying. And then also, there's a lot more events, diversity of events in different locations that we can all go check out for the Paley Center. Um, let's get back into television because, you know, I'm a big television watcher. I grew up watching TV. We had to wait a whole week in agony for the next episode to come out. But TV's changed so much, like consumer behavior of television uh, especially with streaming. I mean, you can watch an entire season in one shot. So from someone with your perspective, working with the Paley Center for Media, what are your thoughts on how television viewing has changed consumer behavior the last five to 10 years? My gosh, even in the last three years, it changes. It's continually changing. It is, well, I, you know, we're experiencing, I think, another golden age of television in terms of the, of the incredible quality and diversity of the work that's available. Uh, but but with the emergence of so many different platforms and, and, and avenues for television to be available on, there is just an incredible amount. You, you, could, you, you couldn't ever 
keep up with the amount of television that's that's out there right now. I think last season, somewhere between 650 to 700 new original series were launched. Wow. Or part, uh, not series, programs in general. Some, some were one-offs and some were, some were, were full series, but there's no way to watch that amount. I mean, yeah. so it's incredible in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it's certainly brought about so much opportunity for people who want to work in television. There are so many different projects uh, going on that you, you, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to find a job. It's never easy to find, <laughs> to find a job, especially in entertainment, but there's certainly, I think a lot more opportunity out there than there was. And many more ways for people to tell stories in the way that, that podcasting just created a whole new arena for people to tell their stories as well, too. It's the same thing is happening in, te- in television and has happened and it keeps changing. I mean, I, I just to, things that we couldn't imagine are now commonplace all the time. Yeah. I, I grew up in the same era where, where, where we were waiting every week <laughs> for, for new shows. Um, they were basically three major networks where most of the television shows were. You'd have some local stations depending on the area that you lived as well too. But television was very cyclical. Um, new episodes during a certain period of the year. And then in the summer, you were, you were watching reruns mainly. And that's changed so much, obviously. And, and the ability to watch shows, to binge shows, uh, it's funny now. So now some some of these streaming platforms are going back to actually making the the programs available on a weekly basis, which is mm-hmm. much uh, uh, more of a traditional way of doing it. But you can watch television anywhere on your phone, in your home. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can you can take it with you in your pocket. How the universe of, of TV has expanded and the the quality of the television out there has really been, I mean, I, I think an incredible boom during the last few years. Yeah, it's just really crazy how um, all these streaming services and all the competition, and like you said, the content itself is really, really good. I mean, uh, you called it the new golden age. Uh, in the 1950s, they called that the golden age. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, I know that things really got good with TV. It really got elevated with programs like The Wire, West Wing, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and so many more. So sure. what, what are your thoughts on just the quality of television programming over this period of time? Because like you said, there's just so much content out there and so much of it is so good. Exactly. And, and, and those shows that you were that golden era in the 2000s, a lot of it was driven about by um, cable television and the rise of platforms like HBO and, mm-hmm. and Showtime and, and uh, AMC who were just you know working with incredible writers and creators like Aaron Sorkin, Shonda Rhimes, Ava, you know, Ava DuVernay, who were bringing all of these news stories to television and really expanding what could be done in a television drama. And now and streaming has sort of done that as well in a different way broadcast television continues to do it there are some great shows that are happening on abc nbc and and cbs and the cw that certainly have command huge viewership but don't always get as much of the attention in in the press or on social media because people are always drawn to what's what's shiny and new and want to write, write about what's shiny and new so uh, shows on the streaming platforms seem to get the, the lion's share of a lot of the attention, but just the, the quality of work and the quality of, of shows uh, that are on right now on, on both traditional TV and streaming platforms is, is really staggering. The, the whole, the, the diversity of platforms does, to me, in some ways does have its 
drawbacks in terms of sort of a communal experience of television. When there were less platforms, you you could push more people to watch, you know, certain certain programs. So we had this sort of shared experience of what was on television at those times. And now there are so many different ways to experience TV that we tend to get into silos of what we watch and where we watch it. And that's great in a lot of ways. There's communities built around that, but we lose something of the overall culture created by television through those little silos, I think. So yeah, lots of things are gained, but some things some things are also are also lost as well too. Yeah, I definitely agree. I remember as a kid going to school and you know you talk about what happened on the A team or whatever. Yeah. Now it's yeah. much more isolated uh, in your in your television watching. So yeah, it, it is more isolated, but you are able to find your your community uh, to talk with. You know, while we you can't talk with your friends at school in the same way anymore, but you can certainly find. Uh, you know, groups of fans on on social media as well too for for any any kind of show you watch or any kind of thing you're uh, interested in. There's always a way to, to to make a community around it. Yeah, that's true. There's always a super fan for every good TV show. <laughs> yeah, and then also just the streaming uh, platforms have put so much money into it because you've got these wars going on between Netflix, Disney is going all in, and I heard Amazon is making a one billion dollar TV show. So. I mean, when they're putting this much production value and money into these shows, I mean, this is the result we get, really good content. I think it's made all of television better. And there is just so much great work out there. I'm glad that, you know, with television festival like Paleyfest, that we're able to sort of celebrate the some of the diversity on television right now and, and the diversity of the kinds of content because we've got great streaming shows that are very of the moment like Emily in Paris as part of our Paley Puffs lineup and we've got traditional broadcast shows like we're doing a celebration of NCIS and the entire NCIS universe with three shows that are on right now including NCIS Los Angeles the flagship NCIS it's been on for almost 20 seasons already and the newest iteration NCIS Hawaii so I love that we that we span uh, TV in Paley Fest, and I think it's a it's a great intro to what's happening now. Yeah, I mean it's just insane amount of content. Like you said, you don't have time to watch them all, but we'll definitely try. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're probably going to date ourselves with this question, um, but sure. I grew up watching tons of TV shows, especially sitcoms. I mean, sitcoms mm-hmm. were huge when I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to ask you, as someone who closely watches the history of television, what were some of your favorite TV shows when you were growing up? Sure. Well, I, I was born in 1971, so I have uh, uh, I watched a lot of TV growing up in the 70s and also into the 80s, you know, when I was in school and, and high school. But I loved sitcoms as well. And everything was sort of geared around certain nights of television, like Tuesday nights was that we always watched sort of ABC and Happy Days and, and Laverne and Shirley. Sunday nights, Saturday nights was like The Love Boat and Fantasy Island and and then on Sunday on CBS had all these great Norman Lear shows like The Jeffersons. And uh, I watched Alice and One Day at a Time and, oh my God. and just uh, all of those shows. And I, and I love them. And, and over time, over the years here at, at the Paley Center, I've, I've had the privilege every now and again of hosting, you know, conversations with those people who, who were making those shows at the time. I just did one recently with Linda Lavin that was for the 45th anniversary of, of her sitcom Alice which you know, premiered in 1976 and ran for several seasons. But she's currently right now on a show called Be Positive, which is a really wonderful comedy on CBS starring Natalie Ashford and Thomas Middlebitch. So I had um, a program where it was celebrating the anniversary of Alice with Linda hosted in conversation by Natalie Ashford. 
And it was great fun. It was great, really great fun. So being able to, to, to meet and to celebrate some of the, the icons that you, that I watched growing up is one of the real treats of this job and this organization. Yeah, I can imagine. Those are some great, great shows you mentioned. I mean, <laughs> those shows just make you happy. I mean, they're a yeah. different time, you know? It's it's true, but, you know, you can still watch them today. They uh, they hold up and they certainly are available out there more so than I think ever before. You can, there's some of these shows are streaming on, on different platforms like uh, Pluto and and crackle and uh, of course the, the major platforms have them as well too so i think and, and you can watch them there's all sorts of broadcast channels that are that are running them on cable as well too so not only can you experience everything that's happening right now but you can way more easily dip into tv shows of the past than ever before so yeah. that's, i think that's been one of the benefits of of this time of so many different platforms it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to technology and tv yeah, programming it's true but that leads me into my next question, because you had mentioned um, just how much great TV there is out there and how many good uh, streaming platforms there are. But also, I mean, you've got social media. I mean, it, right now, most people consume short form content on YouTube and, and mm -hmm. TikTok and all that. But you do see the quality going up there as well with these independent creators. So how do you see the impact of like social media on television's future? I think it will continue to play a role, uh, a huge role. I think in some ways, though, we're still in sort of this wild, wild west period of, of social media. Its impact on our, on our lives um, day to day, it's, it's, it's a relatively new technology. And there are generations now who are, are completely growing up and, and immersed and only know a world that exists with social media. But there's plenty of people occupying this planet who had to uh, learn all of that. And I think some of the organizations that are social media platforms are learning as well. It's an incredible tool with such capacity for, for good and just as much capacity for bad. Obviously, we, we see how it plays out on the world scale, but in, in television, sometimes, you know, there's just people are so passionate about the things that they watch. And that passion can be very positive or it can, it, it can be very negative. And certainly in, in very positive ways, it's given everybody a platform and creators of television who might not yet have a, have a deal on television or, uh, or be making their own shows, have a way to sort of express their creativity and get their work and their creations out there for people to see much more so than we've ever had the chance to do before. I mean, there's great stories about people who were creating content online. Uh, Issa Rae being, being one of them mm -hmm. was creating these, these, uh, you know, a, a great YouTube series that eventually got her to the attention of HBO and she just completed the run of Insecure, an incredible series. So there's, there's lots of stories, more and more stories like that of people who are starting, uh, you know, making, YouTube videos or TikTok videos now, and then they're, they're getting into the television business. So it offers us an incredible platform. I think it'll shake out. I think, I think things will get to where people understand the platform better and, and hopefully some of the, the vitriol associated with it will, uh, will fade away as, mm -hmm. um, as, as we move forward through time. Yeah, those are some great points. And uh, yeah, it seems to have knocked down some barriers for the um, on the positive side of things. Of course, and, yeah. And that's that was my next. That leads me to my next question, and that is representation in entertainment and on television. I know that's important to you. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Absolutely. so many great shows created now, starring minorities and women in the LGBTQ plus community. 
Of course, there's always room for improvement, but what are your thoughts on how far we've come with diversity in television? I don't just mean like the stars of the show either. I'm talking about like the writers, the producers, the directors. In my eyes, it just seems to be a lot more than when I was a kid growing up. I, I think there's absolutely more and television is all the better for it. Everything, everything is better for it. When more people are at the table, when more people are telling stories, when you get to experience different facets of life, of the diversity of the United States of America, is have it reflected on television. It only helps all of us. It connects us. It makes us understand things better, understand different perspectives than, than ours. It just makes us better humans. And I think it's exploded on television. Often, television throughout history has led the charge on social issues, has broken barriers by seeing things on, seeing people on television, seeing stories on television, social change happens. And I think that's, you know, we've done a lot of work around that at the Paley Center in, in doing these salutes that we do every year about television's impact on different social issues. Like we, um, we annually, every February for Black History Month, we do a a salute to Black achievements in television and sort of trace the, the, the history across from the, from the 1950s all the way to the present day of these storytellers and performers and how their work has sort of impacted society. And we do it uh, for the LGBTQ plus community in June around Pride Month as well, too. We do for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month as well, too. I think they're some of the best things that we do all year long, but television is right now leading the charge in, the, in, in terms of representation, I think, and it has a long history of doing so as well. I noticed it a lot this particular season, you know, every year at the Paley Center, we do, in addition to the main Paley Fest, we do a fall version that's all about the new shows that are, are coming on in the fall season. And it's a lot of you know, brand new things. And I just saw that diversity in all the new shows that were coming on the air, in the creative teams, you know, great shows like The Wonder Years, which is happening on, on um, ABC TV right now that sort of took that original show and made something completely new out of it. And I, they're, they're telling some of the, the, the most heartfelt and inspiring uh, stories right now, I think, that are, that are going on on TV. And, and across the board, you're, you're seeing that more and more. And really, it only makes TV better. It only makes all of us better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so awesome to see so many diverse perspectives and stories being told. Um, so, Renee, let's jump into Paley Fest 2022. I know you guys have something really big planned this year uh, with your coming back. So can you tell the audience all about what we can expect with Paley Fest in 2022? Sure. Well, um, for the first time in three years, really, we get to do the, uh, the festival in person, which is the way that it was, it was founded to do. Uh, because there's nothing like being in the incredible Dolby Theater in Hollywood where the Oscars happen in a room full of fans who love television as much as you do. And right there on the stage are all the people who make TV. Over a hundred different actors and television creators are going to be taking part in the event across, across um, April 2nd through the 10th. We have 10 events featuring 13 shows spanning streaming and broadcast television. I'm really looking forward to it. You're going to get 
premiere screening. Sometimes each each event includes some kind of a screening. There'll be either an unaired episode, um, upcoming episode, behind the scenes footage, or clips that have been specially created for that evening. And then we welcome the entire cast of the show on stage and the creators. And there's a great interactive conversation with a moderator. And then we open the floor to questions from the audience as well, too. So you, you'd have a chance to, to ask a question of your, of your favorite um, actor right there in person. It's it's a really it's a celebratory uh, event, and if you if you love television, I think it's the place that you'll want to be because it, it's it's truly a great salute to TV. Our only agenda is to celebrate these great shows and and everyone's work on making them, and also to celebrate the unique relationship between TV fans and TV creators. I think it's the best experience for TV fans. We're the original television first festival the first uh, organization to actually do one and this is our 39th edition and the first one in person in three years so i'm it's it's going to be a lot of fun yeah so we're looking forward to that and if you love television there's no other experience like it you're not <laughs> going to get that kind of access anywhere else and you're doing it in the heart of los angeles you know the entertainment capital of the world so if you love television paley fest 2022 and we'll add more details about that later but renee can you um we want to jump back into los angeles because you've been here a long time so i want to yeah. know your thoughts on your dream day in los angeles from getting up to going to bed where would you go and what would you do for your personal dream day in la so i i mentioned my love of the parks and and, and nature out here i guess two places i think are really special in greater Los Angeles. One is Descanso Gardens in the La Cañada Flintridge area. Beautiful. And, yeah. And the other is uh, the Los Angeles Arboretum out in the Arcadia area. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two great nature spots. Descanso Gardens, you can just see an incredible diversity of trees, of plants, and of wildlife. We've been out there walking around the hills of that beautiful park and and have seen deer uh, going by which is always really fun but it it just sort of underscores the the beauty of this area and the and the arboretum does it in a different way as well too there's it has a great television connection the arboretum as well too because there's this wonderful queen anne cottage in the middle of it that if you watched fantasy island growing up in the 70s and 80s the iconic opening sequence was was filmed there so you, every episode of that show you see this particular house that, that that is there and it was also the whole location has been used for all sorts of film and television beginning i think in the 1930s all the way to to the present day so like a lot of los angeles even these nature areas have some connection to, <laughs> to yeah. entertainment and to and to television you know perfect days always to me involve the water and the chance to be by the the ocean i love i love it i you know coming from florida it's how i grew up as well too having access to to the incredible ocean it, it sustains me and it's always a way to get um you know inspiration and and, and clarity on some things so i love uh, being able to take bike rides on the beach over in on the beach in Santa Monica, you can rent bicycles and go up and down the bike paths, and and it's it's perfect. It's a it's a wonderful uh, thing to be able to have the chance to do out here in in Los Angeles. That sounds like a perfect day. I love those botanical gardens, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite things to do is bike ride on the beach. So that's an awesome answer, Renee. Thank now. Where's the best place for people? We're all looking forward to Paley Fest in 2022 in April. Where's the best place for people to pick up tickets and to find out more about it? Sure. Uh, well, 
everything. You can buy tickets. You can get all the information on our on our lineup uh, that's happening from April 2nd through 10th by visiting paleyfest.org. Again, paleyfest.org. It's your one-stop shop for, for all the Paley, uh, Paley Fest information and to, and to purchase tickets. Um, we have like an incredible lineup, as I mentioned, 10 shows. We're opening with This Is Us. And we are, we're doing salutes to, uh, to Blackish, to Riverdale, to Superman and Lois, to Hacks, uh, to Emily in Paris, as I mentioned um, before as well, too, to Better Call Saul, NCIS, wonderful comedy, uh, Ghosts, and The Neighborhood. Uh, it's going to be a pretty magical event. And all those creative talents together on one stage. Uh, I'm looking, really looking forward to it. But PaleyFest.org is your one-stop shop. That's awesome. It's going to be a great lineup, guys. If you love television, you love the history of television, uh, if you love the entertainment industry, there's no better place to be in April 2022. The Paley Fest, I know we'll be there. Thank you so much for coming on, Renee. We appreciate you. Oh my gosh, Stefan. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you about uh, all things LA. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Okay, welcome back, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Renee Reyes from the Paley Center for Media. If you're a TV nerd like me who spent many hours of childhood following your favorite shows and characters, you're definitely going to want to keep up with the Paley Center and also the annual Paley Fest, which is coming up for 2022. It's in the first week of April, and it will be featuring preview screenings, audience Q&As, and some of the stars of the shows right there in person. It's all happening at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. If you want to find out more about the Paley Center and also the Paley Fest, just go to paleyfest.org or you can find them on Instagram at Paley Center. Okay, guys, on to my hack for this episode. I want to tell you about an experience that I had recently. I was invited to take the WB tour in Burbank a few weeks ago right on the WB lot. Now, I think most people think of this as a tourist thing to do, and it's true that it's extremely popular with tourists. But if you are local and you enjoy learning about television and movies, I highly recommend you go on that tour. Now, if you've been on the Universal Tour, that's really cool as well because they make it part of the amusement park where the actual theme attractions like King Kong and Fast and Furious, you see them as you're on the tram taking the back lot tour. And you do learn a bit about the history of the lot, but it's more about the amusement park aspect and that, that's why people typically go on the Universal one. Now, the WB one is very different. The first hour you're on a tour cart with a guide and they take you out on the back lot. There you get some in-depth information about the history of the lot, some of the stuff filmed there, and some of the secrets to Hollywood. But they recently revamped the tour in the past year, so even if you've been before, I recommend you check it out again. Because after you're done with the guided tour on the cart, which is what people probably traditionally think of when they go on the WB tour, that guided tour in the cart is about an hour and you're with the group. But after that, you go on to a self-guided portion. And this is really cool. First, you stop at the friend set, and they have multiple setups like Joey and Chandler's apartment and Central Perk, and you can actually eat lunch at Central Perk since it's a real cafe. Um, I'm not gonna go into all the surprises because I don't wanna ruin it for you, but if you're a fan of friends, you definitely have to go because just the picture opportunities alone are endless on that set. Now, I'm skipping a lot, you know, there's a lot to this tour. I can't go over it all. But after the Friends, you go on to a section with the historical movies from the WB, which has almost a 100-year history. And then you take a short ride over to the fantasy section when you're done with the Friends section. And this is a really cool because like Friends is self-guided, so you can take as much time as you want. 
And there are so many amazing things here in this uh, science fiction fantasy section of the WB Tour, like the Harry Potter area and the Justice League area that includes not only all your favorite DC superheroes, but you're actually in the Batcave itself. So it's pretty amazing. Both the Harry Potter and superheroes sections are super interactive. And all in all, I would say with the guided tour and then the friend section and then the fantasy tour, it's about two and a half to three hours. But again, most of the tour is self-guided so you can take as long as you want. All right, that's my hack for this episode. If you love TV, you love movies and you love Hollywood, you want to be a tourist in your own town and go take that newly revamped WB tour on the lot in Burbank because it's a really great time. Okay, LA Hackers, that's all I have for you this episode, and we will talk to you again soon.